And if you have it, if you could please stand for the reading and reverence of God's word. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please just look on the screen and follow along. I'll read it if you can follow along with me. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west gate of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the mist in the bush. He looked... Uh, in the, in the midst of the bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was, he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, This is to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for all that you have done. And I pray, Lord, that as we hear this word, that you would open up our hearts and that we would come to know who you are at a deeper level, Lord. I pray that we would understand that at the end of the day, our plans are not your plans, your plans are not our plans, but God, you have a greater plan in store for us than we could ever think or imagine. And so we thank you and we give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Today's uh, sermon title is called The Plan of God. You know, Moses, um, he, was a, he was a man of faith. Right, And for me, when I think of Moses, I think of how sure he was uh, in that moment as he uh, looked upon the Red Sea. He was so sure of the promises of God. He was so sure of the character of God that in his mind, it seemed like there was no doubt as to what God would do. That when God had told Moses that he would take the Israelites out, that he would lead them into freedom, that the Red Sea that seemed like this overwhelming, huge thing that was impossible to overcome, for Moses it was just simply a small obstacle. He trusted in the Lord. He was a man of faith. And that's why as he looked at the water, as he looked at the Israelites who were afraid, he said to them, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for us. All we have to do is be still. You see, Moses, he was a man of faith, but he wasn't always like that. In fact, he spent 
most of his time, most of his life running away from God. Because, you see, God, he had a calling upon Moses' life. And it was all in order to have Moses one day rescue the Israelites. And God placed him in a very specific position. We know this about Moses. That he was a person of Israelite descent, and yet he had been raised by Egyptian royalty. He was unique in that way. That he had this one persona here where he could step into that field so easily with the Israelites to be able to speak to them in their language, to be able to connect with them. And yet at the same time, God was raising him to have the connections of Egypt. It was the perfect plan. It was the perfect setup. But in a fit of rage, in his temper, Moses kills another man and runs away into the desert. You see, it seemed like at that time, God's plan was destroyed by Moses' sin. So now Moses is in the wilderness living as a shepherd. I can only imagine how broken and full of regret he must have been. Because for him, you see, the older he got, the more mistakes he made. And I believe that he thought, the more mistakes I made, the further away from God's plan I really am. Now, I remember when I was in seminary, um, I had a professor named Dr. John, Dr. Jim Singleton. Uh, I had come to him for advice because I had just started ministry up in Boston. And at that time, man, I was, like, preaching, like, fire and brimstone. Like, it was, like, super weird. Like, I never thought that I was that personality, but, like, I was, like, super judgmental. Like, not, like, super, but, like, I was, like, pretty judgmental, and I was pretty harsh with my words, and I just didn't like that about myself. I didn't understand why I was doing that. So I came to him for advice, and I told him about that, and I said, you know, what do you think? And so... Jim Singleton, he listens to me and he says, Danny, look, young preachers preach truth and old preachers preach grace. And he said that the older you get, the more skeletons you have in your closet. And it's only when you realize how much you personally need grace that you'll preach grace too. And I think for a lot of us as we get older, um, we could fill multiple closets with our past regrets. And I think for a lot of us, as we get older, it seems like our mistakes get compounded, the bad things in our life keep on piling up to the point where God had a specific plan for us here, and yet our lives ended up there. And God has such a vision and an idea of where he wanted us to go, and yet because of our mistakes, because of the things in our life, it ended up going awry. But church, God's plans are not our plans. And God's grace is more powerful than our sins. And so for me, as we look into this passage, this very famous passage, I just want to look at three things about Moses' life here. And the first is that God, he works through Moses' mistakes. And God will work through your mistakes as well. 
The second is that God came to Moses as fire. And God is going to come into your life as fire as well. And lastly, is that Jesus Christ is God. That's it. Okay? Now, first, God works through our mistakes. You know, in this passage, Moses is a shepherd out in the wilderness. But as he's looking after his sheep, off in the corner, he sees something on fire. And that's why in verse 3, Moses says, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. That phrase, I will turn aside, it means to take a detour. It means stepping off the main path of where I was originally intending to go and going somewhere that I had not planned at all. That is what I turned aside means. And what's interesting and what may be ironic is that it was only when Moses turned aside, when he went somewhere that he had not originally planned, that he had no idea that he would go in that time, that God encountered him powerfully. Verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. You see, that burning bush, that encounter with the Lord, that fiery thing was not in front of Moses in Egypt. It was not in front of him during his training there. It was not as he was being groomed for great things. It was in the side path. It was on the detour. It was in the middle of his regret. And this is the truth for Moses. It was only by going on that detour away from everything else that he met God. It was only because he made his mistakes. It was because he ran away. It was because he wandered aimlessly that he was able to finally stand before the burning bush and meet God. Too many of us have a misconception of how God works. That God will only work through the good, that he's only going to work through our potential, that he's only going to work in the level one area and everything else is a failure to him. And yet God is so much greater than that. He is so much greater than what we can ever imagine. He works through our mistakes, and he specifically designs every detour and every part of our lives, every side path, to lead to him. Very rarely does he ever encounter us on the main path. And one of the greatest stories of an encountering with God, we see Moses meeting God directly when he was in the time of full-on regret when he was as broken as he could possibly be? Why didn't God meet him when he was in the prime of his life, when he was Egyptian royalty? It was because he needed to have met Moses on the side path. It was because he could only meet him in that one place. Many of us, you see, have experienced this firsthand. Most of us, most people have had an encounter with God when they're on their side path. Maybe we were in the wrong job. 
Maybe we were living in the wrong city. Maybe we were in the wrong relationship. There was something that was wrong. And we were not supposed to be there. And yet God was there. You see, man, it is over and over again in the Bible, God meets us in the wilderness. God meets us in the detour. God meets us in that deserted place, the place we were never supposed to be, the place where we think we are on the furthest path away from God. And it's in that moment you realize that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. That God is still in that moment able to use your mistakes for his greater good. And not only that, that he has accounted for your mistakes. That he has accounted for your sin. And that he is building you up, knowing all of those things about you, to make you into more like him. Church, God works through our mistakes. He uses our regret to redeem us. And there is no pain in this world that is too great for God to work in. And there's no obstacle in this life that God cannot overcome. There is no amount of brokenness within your heart. There is no amount of brokenness within your spirit. There is no sin that you have committed in your life. There is no mistake that you have done that God cannot use for good. That is why Romans 8.28 is one of the most powerful verses that we can ever rely upon. That in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That God works for the good of those who love him, for all things, good or bad, when you succeed or when you fail, when you do so well, when you ace the test, when you have that career that you think you want, or even when you do the worst thing, God is able to use that thing for your good and for his glory. That is the power of our God. That is the beauty of our Lord. Now, the question is why this happens. Why would God do this? Why would God meet Moses in that detour? Why does God meet us in that wrong place when we are in the midst of our suffering, when we are in the midst of our brokenness? It's because God, he needs to break our paradigm. It's because he needs to flip our reality so that we understand that he is the only one who can bring true hope. The Bible reiterates this again and again, that the world and God are so completely opposite of each other. And for us, as we continue on in this world, it is going to be so easy for us to continue to cling on to this world and the values that it espouses. And a lot of us, we're not even going to realize that's what we're doing. I don't think that Moses even realized how much he was living in the past, of how much regret he had, that, of how much he was truly broken. And a lot of us don't realize how broken we are inside either. 
But it's in those moments that God is going to lead us into a deeper, deeper side path, into that deeper, deeper path away from everything that we expected in order to break our paradigm, in order to turn aside our reality so that we can truly see that the only hope that we will ever have is Jesus Christ. That every other thing is hopeless. That every other person, every other thing, every other place that we can put our footing upon is going to crumble and fall, that the only place that we can really truly rely upon is Jesus Christ. You see, this world is so good, is so good in making worthless things seem worthy. And if our hearts are caught in this world, church, we are never going to see how beautiful God is. And so what he does is he allows us to go into that side path. He allows us to go on those detours. He allows us to go into that place that we had never planned before, that we would never have imagined. And he uses it for something so much greater. That's our God. God, he works through our mistakes. The Bible, it says that as Moses drew closer to that strange fire, that his suspicions were confirmed. It really was a fiery bush. And it was a bush that was not being consumed. You see, what he realized is that this was an eternal fire. And from this fire, Moses, he realizes that it was God. And see, this is just my second point, that God comes as fire. In the Bible, God, he, he comes as fire multiple times. We know this. Uh, he comes down from Mount Sinai as fire. We, we know that in Exodus, he leads the Israelites as a pillar of fire. We know in Hebrew 12, it says that we need to worship the Lord our God, for he is a consuming fire. And it's interesting because God, he could come as anything. And yet, again and again and again, when it comes to encounters with people, God comes as fire. Why? Well, fire, we know, is very different than water. With water, we can swim in it. We can put our hands around it and in it, and we can shape it. We can, for the most part, form it to whatever we desire. Water is molded by us in a way. Man, but put your hands in fire, and you see our hands are the ones that will come out different. Fire will consume us if we get too close. You see, fire is not the ones that get shaped. Fire is not the one that gets shaped by us. We are shaped by fire. In verse 13, Moses, he asked God, who should I say sent me when the Israelites ask? And God says, just simply, I am who I am. In this passage that you read, Moses has a billion and one questions. How is God going to work? Man, wh why is he doing this now 
after everything that's happened. Well, God, how can you use someone like me? And God responds by saying this, Moses, I'm not who you want me to be. I'm not going to fulfill your expectations. I am who I am. You see, church, God is not like water. He is not shaped by our hands, and he is not molded to our likeness. We are molded to his. God is like fire. He is a God who may not give us what we want, but he will give us what we need. We may not always understand what's happening around us, and there may be more silence than answers, but it's simply because God is so much greater than we are. It's because his plans are so much bigger than we could ever fathom. You know, in essence, I could say that God, he defies our expectations because for us, our expectations are too small. He gives us what we need because what we want is too little. C.S. Lewis, he says this, that God finds our desires not too strong, but actually too weak. We're satisfied with playing in the mud because for us, we can't imagine a holiday at the sea. And for a lot of us, we're so full of regret that I think a lot of us can't see one step ahead of us. But man, do you see that the specialty of God is using our regrets to redeem us? That he uses our mistakes to encounter us. And that he is a holy God that passionately loves us and passionately hates sin. And I think that's the interesting thing here too, because this encounter with God is actually very different than a lot of the other encounters before. And the reason why is because in verse 5 it says, God says, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I think that's really important, because God says, not that you will be standing on holy ground. He says, Moses, you are right now standing on holy ground. And in verse 6, it says that Moses was really scared. And that makes sense. Because what we know is that every time God would appear, every time he would come down as holiness, everything around him, everything that touched him would die. He would be too holy. And so for Moses, when he heard that he was standing on holy ground, that when he realized that he was facing God, he must have thought that this was a death sentence. And yet, unlike every other encounter, Moses is standing in God's holiness. He is standing within his presence, and he is not being consumed. Why is this? Well, in verse 2, it says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. It says that there was an angel within that bush, and it was this angel that allowed the relationship between God and Moses. But the thing is, church, is not just any angel. What we know is that this angel 
was actually Jesus Christ. Because centuries later, Jesus Christ would be talking to biblical teachers, and they would ask him, hey, are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus replies with the same words that God would use here. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And so church, I want us to really understand that that it is only through Jesus Christ that we are able to stand in God's presence. That for God, he is such a holy God that there is no amount of sin that could ever be in his presence. And that includes us. That includes who we are because we are people full of sin. And yet it was through Christ's redeeming work of all that he did on the cross, of him coming down, of him dying on the cross, of him being raised again, that allows us to have a relationship with him. And so church, it's only through Jesus Christ that we are able to see and know who God is. I know a lot of us have a lot of regrets. And a lot of us have a lot of skeletons in our closet. And a lot of us are wondering where we are in God's plan. I just want to encourage you that you are not out of God's plan. You are directly within it that he uses everything in order to bring us to him. And church, all of the mistakes, all of the regrets, all of the different things in your life, God is using for his glory and for your good. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Right now, um, I think it would be good for us just to pray to the Lord uh, and we did this before too, but I'd like for us just to um, have a time of silence. Um, just praying to the Lord. Giving to the Lord your worries. Giving to the Lord kind of your thoughts during this time. Um, during the sermon. Uh, how God has been speaking to you. Just pray to the Lord for all that he's done, all that he is doing, that many times our plans are not matching up exactly how we planned. But you are within God's plan. That God, he is orchestrating all the good and all the bad in order to bring his glory and your good. And so right now, if we just take a couple minutes, just prayer in silence to the Lord. And then we'll do our last song. Let's pray now.